We are looking at the story of the Good Samaritan, which I'm sure is familiar to all of you, and yet it is a story that's certainly worth a second reading or a fifth or even a tenth or twelfth. It's a good story, and it's a story that challenges us. Let's pray together. Holy God of compassion, of abundant mercy, of grace and justice, let your word work in us and through us in the days ahead that we might be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Listen for this word. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend." Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I asked you what you know about the Jericho Road, you might say it's someplace in the Middle East. Some of you might know it is a 17-mile stretch of dusty highway that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho and in Jesus' day was quite dangerous. Some of you might also know the Jericho Road is the setting for Jesus' most well-known parable. I think all of us know more about the Jericho Road than we realize. 
The Jericho Road is that 17-mile stretch from Jerusalem to Jericho, all right, but it is also the 17-room Alzheimer's unit where Mary now lives. Mary was once a healthy, vibrant woman, very active in her profession and in her community. Now she simply wanders those halls aimlessly. And the last time her husband Charles took her out to dinner, she didn't know him, and she tried to flirt with the waiter. The Jericho Road is any number of 17-mile stretches along our southern border where people, and especially children, are being brutalized on a daily basis. It's the stretch of Wilson Road in Humble that runs by Humble High School where issues of poverty fuel issues of hunger and homelessness and crime. It is the 17 steps from the living room to your teenager's bedroom when she slams the door and shouts, you just don't understand. It's the 17 chairs that line the hall wall of the waiting room for the intensive care unit, where some people pray that their loved one will heal and live, but others fidget because they have given up all hope for the one they love. We know the Jericho Road, friends. The Jericho Road is any place where there is violence and oppression. It is any place where people are robbed of their dignity, of their wealth or possessions, of their very lives. It is anywhere where fear is easy and compassion is demanded. We know the Jericho Road. We live close by it, and we have seen its victims. We know it, and our familiarity with it makes this story of Jesus not only intriguing, but also rather unsettling. The story begins with a question from a lawyer. Teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded to the lawyer's question with a question of his own. What does it say in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer said, well, it says to love God with all we have and are, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And Jesus said, well, you got that right. Do that, and you'll live. You know, the lawyer knew that. He already knew that being faithful was demanding. He just didn't like it, and he wanted an easy out. 
So he asked another question. Well, who is my neighbor? And so the story started. There was a man, Jesus said, who had to walk down that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. That road people have to walk, but don't want to because it's very dangerous. And that man was attacked by robbers who beat him and stripped him, robbed him, and left him half dead in the ditch. Jesus did not tell us the man's name. He is just an anonymous victim who could has as easily show up on our evening news as he appears here in Jesus' story. As luck would have it, a priest walked down that road. But even though the man who was lying in the ditch half dead was totally dependent on the priest for life, Jesus said the priest walked by on the other side. And Jesus gave us no excuse for the priest's behavior. Maybe the priest wanted to avoid ritual defilement. Maybe he had a really important commitment at the temple. Maybe he was afraid. The robbers could just as easily have been lying in wait for their second victim as gone away. We don't know. And Jesus did not tell us. It was not long before a second man walked down the road, a Levite, and he too passed by the beaten man on the ditch on the far side of the road. And again, Jesus gave us no excuses for the Levite's behavior. Then Jesus said a third man came down the road, a Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans had intermarried with pagan people and they worshipped at the wrong temple. You will not find anywhere in Scripture the words, Good Samaritan. For the Jews, good Samaritan was an oxymoron. There were no good Samaritans. And yet, it was a Samaritan who came down the road, saw the man in need, stopped, bandaged his wounds, and cared for him. Jesus gives us no excuse for his actions either. But whatever his reason was, because the Samaritan cared for him, the man in the ditch had a chance to live. The Samaritan put the man on his donkey, 
took him to an inn, cared for him there, and the next morning dug out two days' wages, gave it to the innkeeper, said, care for him, and if it costs any more, I will repay you when I come back through. The Samaritan interrupted his journey to care for the man because he saw someone in need. And when he did, he responded extravagantly to that man's needs. The other two, the priest and the Levite, came down the road, assumed that violence and death had the last word, a word which could not be modified by their actions. In bowing down to fear, they conferred ultimate power on evil. By caring for the man and refusing to bow down in fear, the Samaritan stripped evil of its power. This story says plainly, folks, that evil is real and it's bloody. But it is not the ultimate reality. And friends, that's good news. It is very good news. The lawyer questioned Jesus. Jesus responded with another question. And then he told the story and asked a final question of the lawyer. Which of these three was a neighbor to the man in need? And the lawyer was forced to say, why, the one who showed him mercy. But I suspect the lawyer already knew that. He knew that loving God faithfully with all we have and are, and loving our neighbors as ourselves is demanding. He knew that. He just didn't like it which is our problem, too. We know the answers to Jesus' question as well as we know the Jericho Road. We know that living faithfully makes demands upon us. It demands that our lives are changed that we are converted and committed, that we allow our lives to be turned inside out and upside down, that we put our money where our mouths are, and that we answer brokenness and situations that frighten us with courage and compassion. Our problem is not ignorance, friends. 
any more than the lawyer's problem was ignorance. I want you to notice something in this story. We really don't know what happened to the man in the ditch because Jesus never told us whether he fully recovered or not. So there's a sense in which we don't know the end of the story. It's a reminder that sometimes what Scripture doesn't say is as important as what it does say. We don't know the motives of any of these three men. You know, the priest and the Levite, they may have had perfectly good reasons for walking by on the other side. It may have been that the Samaritan did not have a travel schedule that was heavy that day, so stopping to help was not an imposition. We don't know, but it's not important. The motives of these men are not important. Their actions are important. What is important about this story is what it says to us about evil. Evil is real, but in the kingdom of God, it is not an ultimate reality. The Samaritan interrupted his journey to care for the man. He answered evil with compassion. As Jesus told this story, he had a question for every question the lawyer threw at him. And Jesus has some questions for our world too. Is destruction the last word in our world, or is life? Is evil victorious, or is love? Friends, anytime we turn our heads as we walk down the Jericho Road, anytime we bow in fear, Anytime we pass by on the other side, we are deciding in favor of evil and turning a deaf ear to the good news of Jesus Christ. Compassion strips evil of its power, but compassion is always risky, it is always costly, and it always demands courage. The Samaritan interrupted his journey. Just like the priest and the Levite, he had places to go and things to do, and he was as much threatened by the potential of the thieves returning as were the other two but he interrupted his journey because 
the person he met along the way was more important than the journey itself. He interrupted his journey because his compassion was stronger than his fear. Compassion meant that the Samaritan was willing to bind the man's wounds, willing to dig deep in his wallet and offer up two days' wages. Because the Samaritan was compassionate, the man had an opportunity to live. The Samaritan's compassion demanded that he give of himself his time and his resources and even his very life because he too could have been a victim of violence. Compassion is risky. It demands courage. But compassion always defeats evil. But we know that. We know that about compassion. I think what Jesus said to the lawyer after he asked the question, which of the three was a neighbor to the one in need? And the lawyer said, why the one who showed him mercy? Jesus said, go and do likewise. Do you hear that? Go and do likewise. Folks, the problem is not that we don't understand compassion. We understand compassion. The lawyer understood compassion. The problem is an unwillingness to act and unwillingness to do. And so Jesus has some pretty serious and pointed questions for us. When was the last time you did something to love God and your neighbor? When was the last time in a very specific, concrete hands-on way, you were a neighbor to someone in need? When was the last time you handled your fear with courage or challenged hatred with love? When was the last time you stared evil in the face and answered with compassion? When was the last time what you did was more significant than what you knew? Friends, we know about compassion. We know the Jericho Road. We walk it every day. And we know this too. We know we don't walk it along be, alone because Jesus walks that road every day. And he walks it in love and compassion. He walks it 
laughing in the face of evil and raising the dead to life. We know that. We know that about Jesus. So isn't it time for the church to act on what it knows? Isn't it time for you and for me as the church to act on what we know? In the name of that God who is love, who is compassion, who is mercy, and who is justice. Amen.